Well, welcome to another episode of Train Talk with Train Tech. I'm your host, Paul Gillette. This podcast, we're going to pick up where we left off uh, in part two, uh, getting a little more uh, information on the basics and getting ready to start expanding into some more advanced topics. But uh, joining me uh, from the Boston area, of course, is Gary Polino of Train Tech. Your model railroad control professionals. So, Gary, I got some questions ready to go. So, let's get this show on the road. Okay. Well, I should have asked this at the time. On the wireless, do we need to be concerned about any interference with, uh, you know, cordless phones, TV remotes, any of that kind of stuff? What frequencies do these things operate on? Well, um, a majority of them are operating in the 900 megahertz range, which, um, you know, a few years ago, that was kind of the platform for a lot of um, cordless telephones, um, garage door openers, and and a lot of wireless devices like that. Um, if you you know if you've got more modern telephones, you know they're up. Some of those are up in like the five gigahertz range now, which are certainly okay. far enough above that. Um, Digitrax, their new duplex system operates on 2.4 gigahertz, which is the same platform as uh, most home wireless networks. Um, but it's a pretty broad spectrum in there. Um, although we, you know, we have had uh, a few users that had a couple of instances where they might have had a little bit of overlap. But they have multiple channels in there so that you can change the channel on the frequency in there. So if you do have a little bit of interference, um, you can you can probably change a channel and, and that will suffice um, and the other the other thing talking about being able to change the channels too is a lot of them uh, they like NCE and Digitrax both have the ability to um, to do that so if you are traveling in a train show with a modular group or what have you um, you know you can you can modify the frequency that you're operating at so that you're not, you know, operating uh, two layouts, you know, two aisles over from you, <laughs> their, <laughs> their engines start moving on, uh, on there. Um, uh, Lens, unfortunately, doesn't offer a, um, a wireless or radio package. Um, they have a, um, it's kind of a neat little device. It's the XPA module that they have, and it actually allows you to take an old, uh, cordless telephone and use that as a throttle to access the uh, the DCC system. It's uh, it's kind of neat. We see a lot of the granddads will pick those up so that if the the grandkids um, you know dry, accidentally drop the the phone on the floor, it's not as bad as the two hundred dollar LCD screen throttle that you have hitting the concrete in the basement. Uh, but uh, but the uh, there are um, third party um, wireless throttles available that are compatible with Lens. Um, if you're if wireless is something that you're really striving for um, to do lens and an aftermarket throttle might put you um, as much as a couple of hundred dollars over the cost of buying a um, a radio system so okay uh, that's something to complete uh, contemplate and uh, MRC also does offer a, a wireless package okay you mentioned uh, warranties what's a typical warranty out there the um, the typical warranty is um, is about a year, and uh, and like I said, Lens is pretty much the only one who um, who really has the the ten year warranty. 
Um, Digitrax did uh, just upgrade their warranty policy recently to their no worries uh, warranty policy, which is pretty. Um, it's pretty good um, that you know if something happens that um, they um, you know they'll take care of it, and um, all of the manufacturers um, they have their warranty breakdowns on their website. So um, you know if that is if that's a big concern to you, um, they have all their policies listed and. Um, you know, as the models age, you know the warranties um, change a little bit um, per year. Um, but but if um, if that's the most is an important feature to you, I can uh, without a doubt, you know, Lens has a ten year warranty, and you can't beat that. Okay, now that warranty does it cover like the power supply, the uh, the controller, or what what does it cover? It 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 covers the system components so that okay. you, know, you would have your, your throttle would be covered and your command station and the booster and um, any you know any of the products that are part of the um, the starter set and also you know if you add additional boosters onto your your layout because of power requirements you know each one of those components all you know they all fall under the manufacturer's warranty um, and they're all um, they're all pretty good okay well that's neat uh <clears throat> Moving on, then, uh, are there any, or what would you consider? And I'm maybe putting you on the spot. Don't mean to, but when we look at Digitracks, we look at NCE and you know ESU. All these people out there, like when I go into my hobby shop, they are just dyed in the wool um, NCE people. They carry Digitracks. They carry the others, but. If I go ask Alan what's his recommendation, he's going to tell me. He won't even hesitate. He'll go, well, we want to see you buy an NCE system and so forth. Is that pretty much the way it goes? It's going to, each shop is going to have their favorite, or is there a real competitive advantage between the different uh, makes? And I'm asking, yeah, I'm asking for your opinion, and it may be subjective. That's fine. That's what I'm asking for. Oh sure, sure, and um, that's actually the number one question we get. You know, we okay. get, um, you know, we probably get thirty or forty calls a week, and that's the number one question: is what's the best system? Um, what should what should I buy? And um, I do have my personal opinions, and I will I will let you know all that in a moment. Okay, um, and right. we uh, you know we here at, at Train Tech we we try not to. Um, give you a biased opinion because uh, a DCC system um, like any other major appliance can be a personal choice and in the case of um, a lot of the systems today you know if you especially if you're getting into a radio system you know you may be spending five six seven hundred up towards a thousand dollars depending on what uh, what you're purchasing and um, it's going to be the heartbeat of your railroad and you need to be happy with it so um what we try to do is, like we we just been discussing here tonight, as far as um, like if a person is interested in radios, well, we know lens probably wouldn't be the the prime choice for them, so we kind of push that off to the side, and then we talk about other other features. Um, so there there really isn't a best system out there because what is best for me may not be best for you. Um, and that's where we try to narrow down as to what the users are trying to do. So uh, an example of that would be um, 
Digitrax, for example, uh, with LocoNet. There are a number of um, third-party companies out there, and an example of that would be um, a company called RR Circuits, and they make a lot of products and devices related to train control and signaling, and they um, were given permission by Digitrax to um, to be able to make make these devices. And so that kind of opens up possibilities for Digitrax users that there are more accessories out there that are available to you than maybe even Digitrax themselves may offer. Okay. Um, and that's not always the case with all of the other manufacturers. And uh, another side of the spectrum to that would be MRC. Um, they make a you know they make a good system, um, and you may hear. Um, folks using uh, a, a software program uh, by the JMRI group called Decoder Pro. Yeah. And um, basically that is a free program that you can use to um, com- communicate with your DCC system um, with a computer interface and use it to program your decoders or even operate your layout. Um, so. The reason I bring that up is because uh, where we've got 30 par- third-party companies that make devices for Digitrack system, MRC, um, they have kind of decided that they want to march to the beat of their own drum. And, for example, they have not given permission to, like, the JMRI folks and Decoder Pro to be able to make their software work with the MRC system. So... When we're when we're talking about features, and that's why I I, I say we, we try to find out what the desires of uh, each modeler purchasing a system is that if if we know a modeler um, is interested in radio control, for example, and he is interested in being able to use JMRI and train control software, then we would immediately eliminate. Um, the, we might want to say we take away lens and take away. Um, MRC, and now we have a choice between NCE, Digitrax, and probably ESU. So that's why I say when we when we get that question, you know, what's the best? Um, we kind of we need to find out what your what you like. Okay. Um, so we can help you choose what is best for you. Okay. Um, uh, so very objective, that, professional approach. Okay. Um, and and in my opinion, I think that is. Uh, Overall, I, I think that's how um, shops should address that. But obviously, everybody runs their own business, and uh, you know they're, they're they're successful in in their own way. But uh, that's how we do it here at Train Tech. Um, so now, as far as my my opinion goes, my 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 personal um, favorite for operating is uh, I have an NCE wireless um, system that um, when we uh, run ops on my layout. And the reason that I like that is because of the throttle ergonomics that we were discussing earlier. Okay. Uh, I, I love that little thumb wheel that they have in the middle. It's just so comfortable for me to operate. And, um, and that's one of the big reasons that I, um, I went with that system. Um, and if you remember uh, Don Iris, who you yes. uh, had a chat with a few months ago. Yeah. Uh, he, um, he, you know, he runs uh, the North Coast system at home. Uh, as well, and and a lot of that is the same. Um, the same premise is that you know the throttle ergonomics for operations is what you know really, he he really liked. Um, but 
I also have, like I said, the other systems. So I'm actually running um, three systems on my railroad total. I, I, I run the locomotives with the NCE throttles. Um, and um, Digitrax is the backbone for my signal system. Okay. And, and, and where we were talking about um, third-party accessories and that I've got, um, you know, a, a Digitrax system with the Loconet running and Digitrax actually makes a very, very cool um, signal system, their SE8C signal board. And um, that's how I'm controlling my interlockings on my uh, my railroad with all the signaling. And then I'm actually also using um, a lens system, which is what I originally started with. And I have that set up as controlling my block occupancy detection and uh, my turnout decoders, the stationary decoders, uh, because they actually have a um, a feedback system, and I actually can get real time switch position um, on my computer because I have everything all tied back to the computer, and uh, and so I'm I'm kind of taking all the features that I liked from every system and making them work for me with the JMRI um, uh, Panel Pro and, and CATS um, software. Okay. Now, where does, you know, on the, you know, the mobile decoders, uh, then we've got stationary decoders that can run turnouts and so forth like that. To me, that just, not being at that place yet, that just sounds terribly complex. Uh how do you interface the like a stationary decoder and a locomotive decoder? How do you do that? That just sounds like Greek to me. It's um, it it sounds a little uh, a little scary, but it's it's actually a pretty uh, pretty simple process. Um, just like we have mobile decoders in the locomotives, we have uh, what's referred to as the stationary decoder, or sometimes it's referred to as an accessory decoder. And um, stationary, meaning that it's fixed on under the layout. And there are two address platforms in DCC. You've got the locomotive address platform from you know one to nine thousand nine hundred ninety-nine, and then we have the stationary uh, decoder platform, which is from one to two thousand forty-four. But they are completely independent of each other. So you could have a locomotive address 500, and you can also have a stationary decoder address 500. So uh, when you're when you're thinking of them, uh, treat them as two separate entities because that's what they in fact they are. Okay. Um, as far as uh, connecting them, um, the stationary decoders. We talked about uh, uh, running a power bus around our layout to get the power out for the track. And that's how we're also getting the DCC command out to the track to run the locomotives. Well, the stationary decoder operates in a very similar fashion. It needs it needs power to operate, and it also needs command. And um, we try not to use the power bus that we're running the locomotives on to power accessories if we can avoid it, because we want to we want to save that power to run trains. And um, a lot of the stationary decoders that are on the market, um, there's you know a large number of them have the ability to uh, be fed from a separate power source. But the one thing that we do still need to do is we do need to connect it to the power bus coming from the DCC system, and it's just a pair of wires. 
And what that allows it to do is it allows it to communicate with the command station and receive its um, address command, uh, which you would issue with your throttle or it could be from your, your PC. Now, that, so that gets us to controlling the stationary decoder. And you can address them, like I said, anywhere from a range from 1 to 2044, and most of them on the market uh, support that. Mm -hmm. um, the one, accept, one exception to getting the command... Um, to it, um, Digitrax, their stationary decoder, for example, the DS64, instead of connecting that to your uh, DCC power bus, you can connect that to your uh, the, the local net throttle bus that comes from there, and that's the same network that the throttles would, so they so that the control is completely independent uh, of the power bus altogether. Um, now, there's going to be different types. Of stationary decoders out there because we have different types of uh, ways of controlling our turnouts. Uh, so we've used a, um, let's say if you use a, the old traditional snap switch from Atlas that has a solenoid machine on it. Uh, and then, you know, some turnouts could be controlled with a stall motor such as a tortoise switch machine from Circuitron. Um, they operate very, very differently. Uh, the snap coil needs a fairly high burst of current for just a, uh, a couple of milliseconds to actually throw that solenoid over and move the turnout. And then it needs power removed because if you remember with the old Atlas, uh, you took the push button and if you slid it over and you pushed it in there and you held it in too long, you'd start to smell burning plastic from the heat <laughs> of the solenoid. Um, yeah. So there are stationary decoders that are designed to do just that. They'll send out the uh, the burst of power just enough to throw that uh, solenoid, and then it will turn itself off. Um, then there's a, a, another type that works with the tor the tortoise machines, and the tortoises are designed to have constant power to them. That's why they call them a stall machine. Is that once the the fulcrum on the tortoise moves all the way over to whichever way it's throwing, uh, power remains on there, and it locks that motor over there so that the point stays nice and tight against the stock rail. Okay. Um, there are some of the decoders on the mar uh, stationary decoders out there. Let's, uh, the DS64 I can use as a, another example again. Um, that has the ability to be configured to, to do um, solenoid machines or stationary decoders. Um, there's uh, DCC Specialties is uh, a company that makes uh, accessories for DCC systems, and they've got some pretty cool stationary decoders. Uh, one of them is called the Hair. Um, so it's it, it, what it does is it has a special connector on it and plugs right on the bottom of the tortoise machine. So now you have the tortoise and the hair. It's the the play on words and and. Uh, that's a stationary decoder that's designed uh, specifically for the tortoise and the stall machine. So what you do is you plug that on there, and then it's got two wires that go to the uh, power bus to get uh, the command. Now, it is drawing power from the uh, power bus to operate, um, but the tortoises, they're, they're very, very small in their power draw, so um, it really doesn't affect the uh, power too much but if you you know a club layout for example um, you you may want to consider running a separate uh, power bus from an, an independent um, command station and and that would be give you exclusive control over the turnouts um, especially if you're operating computer control um, it's something to consider 
where um, if you've if you've got somebody who's uh, splits a switch, for example, and if they short out the layout, now if the power goes down, you have no control over your stationary decoder. So um, if you have it on a actually have it on a separate system, which is what we actually did on my layout at home, um, you can. Uh, you can have the dispatcher can throw the turnout the way it's supposed to be now and clear the short and and the railroad will still stay running. Um, that's that's just something to under um, you know layout design that we uh, we take a look at. Um, so there's a there's a number of different stationary decoder devices out there for turnouts and um, they they work independent from locomotives uh, uh, so that the, you don't have any uh, any conflicts with that. Um, uh, we actually developed a product uh, last year, and it uh, just started shipping um, a few months ago. It's called the Oxbox. Okay. Uh, I'm sure uh, folks probably have seen it advertised in uh, Motor Railroad Hobbyist. And uh, you, you guys actually did a review. I think it was in the May issue. And Motor Railroad News uh, did a review on us as well. And, and what we did with it is there's a number of stationary decoders on the market um, that are designed to control turnouts. So... They actually have a voltage output, and um, you know that's really what you can work with um, with the stationary decoder. So if, if it puts out 12 volts, you know you've you're kind of limited as to what you might be able to control with it. And uh, we took a look at um, controlling various accessories in that, and uh, we said, you know, rather than be completely locked into a specific voltage and um, the other thing we took a look at was current rating and a lot of switch machines don't draw a lot of current so most stationary decoders on the market um, they don't have a very high current rating because they don't need it so what we did is we took a look at the design and we developed the Oxbox and it has a a series of eight um, MOSFETs on it they're electronic toggle switches if you will but they're controlled by stationary decoder addresses, so you can control that from your throttle. And there's no voltage output. So it's basically operating just like a toggle switch would that you might mount on your control panel of that. But you can run any voltage through that you want. So you can control whatever accessory you need um, from uh, all the way up to 30 volts AC or DC. And we, we put some very uh, high current MOSFETs on there. They're rated up three amps so you've got a now you've got um, a a very powerful tool and uh, we're actually uh, referring to it as an appliance because it's controlled by DCC but it's not giving you DCC out or anything like that so you can actually switch your own loads Um, and because of the current rating a lot of guys now are using it to uh, turn staging yard tracks on and off Um, because as we talked about a little while ago uh, with a lot of sound decoders on the lo- on the layout now, uh, they do use up power. And if uh, in a larger application you've got a staging yard, you know you could have six or eight locomotives sitting there idling away with the sound on, and they're kind of chewing up booster power that may be needed uh, to run trains. Okay. So what you can actually do is instead of putting the old-fashioned toggle switch on the fascia of the layout, now what you do is you just loop the uh, feed to each track through one of the switches on the aux box and because we've got a 3 amp current rating on there now you can actually turn that th- the power to that track on and off from your throttle 
or take it up a step further is you can turn it on and off with your computer, um, especially if you're dispatching uh, your railroad to control. So we've um, we've actually uh, going to be doing some testing with the South Shore Model Railroad Club here in Hingham, Massachusetts, and uh, they're going to work on uh, putting something in their staging yard. Um, just for that very reason, because a lot of times uh, in open houses and op sessions, you know, we've got a lot of very power-hungry locomotives out there yeah. that are uh, that sometimes are overloading um, the yards. And, you know, if you, and they've got a pretty sizable yard. You know, they could conceivably have 20 locomotives laid up in there, um, drawing a lot of power. So by being able to turn the uh, the staging switches off with a stationary decoder such as the Oxbox, now what they do is the dispatcher can wind up having control of that. And when um, you know a train is ready to uh, be issued permission to depart the yard, the dispatcher can now turn the tr- uh, power onto that track and uh, now, they, now that the train will be uh, ready to go out. And it, uh, it also helps uh, curtail any uh, early unauthorized departures from the yard too. <laughs> okay. Now, on your Oxbox, how are the connections made? They just plug they, in pins, or how do you do that? We put uh, screw terminals right onto um, the board. Okay. And um, and like I say, you just you just think of it as they're just electronic toggle switches. So wiring is is just it's so simple. It's just as if you would wire a toggle switch to turn something on and off. So all you're doing is you're just looping one one uh, wire of the circuit through our aux box and now because it's got a stationary decoder address you can actually turn that on and off we did build in a few other um, neat features Uh, we set it up so that you can program by cv um, which is similar to how we would do some programming in a locomotive so that you could actually have um, the switch itself flash on and off so if you wanted to um, you know if you had some kind of a uh, a flashing light, let's say on a, a water tower of uh, a model, um, you can loop the, um, the flashing light through the ox box and set the switch to turn on and off, and you can adjust the flash rate so that you can have the uh, the actual rate flash on and off the, what you like. Um, or you could pick two of the switches, for example, and have them flash alternate to each other, and you could wigwag a grade crossing. You can okay. uh, wigwag the flashing on it. Um, we, um, our our engineer uh, Larry Meyer, who also does design for DCC Specialties, uh, we wound up with a couple of extra inputs on the processor for the board. So rather than let them go to waste, um, he uh, designed in a photocell circuit that um, it's self-adjusting, so you don't need to calibrate it or anything. And you can use um, either one of those photocells to trigger an event. So you could, um, back to the flasher um, circuit, you could have, um, a, it's a very simple grade crossing circuit. There's, um, there's a lot of uh, other high-quality grade crossing circuits out there that are dedicated like that. Um, but this, if you wanted to do something very simple, um, you could have the photocell. So when the train got up to the photocell, it would block the light, and now that would trigger the flasher circuit to turn off and on. Um, we had um, another fellow who came up with a, uh, a use that I, I hadn't even thought of, and it was very clever. He has uh, a couple of um, layover tracks that are kind of hidden, 
and what he did, it's um, it's it's somewhat dark, so he put a uh, just a little bit of a 12-volt light underneath there over the photo cell. And what he did was he wired the staging track through the Oxbox, and now when the train comes in, instead of him having to rush over and worry about getting uh, the train to the end and, and shutting the throttle down in time, um, what he did is that he set up the photocell so that when the locomotive hits the photocell and trips that, it turns off the switch on the Oxbox, which in turn turns off the staging track power. So the train stops at the exact point every single time when he doesn't even have to worry about it being there. Um, we also added in a um, timer circuit. Um, so that you can have the, um, as soon as you issue the stationary decoder address command, um, now the switch will run time for whatever you set it at. And um, again, this was also based on um, customer feedback. They wanted to use it to control KD electro uncoupling magnets. So instead of having the push button for that on the fascia, you just uh, you just uh, bring up the address on your throttle, um, issue the command, and now the, the switch will turn on for, let's say, 10 seconds. So now you can uh, go about uncoupling your car, and uh, after the timer runs out, it will turn the switch off, and you don't have to worry about the uh, uncoupling magnet burning up. Okay. So so it's, um, it's, it's based around the stationary decoder um, platform in DCC, but because we didn't give you a fixed voltage output, it just opened up the possibilities of um, of what you can do with it, and um, you know, like I said, we've been getting feedback from users already that um, you know with great ideas that we hadn't even thought of. Um, and then we also did the last thing is um, we built in four additional um, switches on the board that are rated at eight amps. Okay. So if somebody has a real high current uh, need, we've got the architecture on the board there and. Um, the components could either be added by us or um, the end user if he wanted to to do it. And um, so you would gain four more switches for a total of 12, but these are rated at 8 amps. So if um, you know somebody was in G-scale and needed to um, maybe turn uh, G-scale track power on and off or something uh, that they... If you'd like to know more about the Oxbox, go to www.oxbox, that's all one word, A-U-X-B-O-X-D-C-C, Dot com. There you'll even uh, be able to see the interview at a recent show between Gary and Les Almas of uh, Model Railroad Hobbyist uh, Magazine. Okay, and that concludes today's episode of Train Talk with Train Tech. Join Gary and I again for uh, part number four. We're going to get into discussions of decoders, you know, fleet decoders, higher function, more function decoders, and a few other subjects like that. Hope you're enjoying it and look forward to uh, being with you next time. Thank you very much.